Well, thank you, worship team, and thank you for being here this morning. I know you're here early. Uh, well, late. Did you remember to set your clocks, or how many? How many actually forgot? Anybody forget? A few. That's good. Yeah. See, then you'll just move right into it. You know, you won't even realize what happened. But uh, it's great to be able to be back in Green Bay. Uh, last week I was in Utah. The week before in Washington, and uh, just uh, having a great time sharing the Word of God. What we're going to talk about today is, you know, this whole thing about arise and build, uh, you know, the future, uh, how we learn, how we grow, how we how we move forward. And, uh, uh, you know, Pastor Ryan mentioned a little bit about the thing in, in, in Japan. I mean, how many have noticed that? I mean, it's just dominating the news. We have a number of things dominating the news, right? Hello, are you there? Do you watch the news? I mean, if you... But <clears throat> if there's some interesting things you got to remember. The Word of God tells us... In the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, you can see this in, 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 in Timothy. It says perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of self. And, you know, all of that's a boasters, proud. Kids are arrogant. And then the, the New Testament is very clear. It says in the last days, it also talks about earthquakes in diverse places. Now, Japan is, uh, actually has, is very close to a major fault in the Pacific, uh, in, the, in the ocean there. And so they have it. But... Everywhere we're seeing, a few years ago, there was an earthquake in Illinois, if you can believe that. I mean, you know, the corn was moving, you know. I mean, uh, there's things happening, uh, wars, rumors of wars. Uh, I mean, we're constant battling Afghanistan and Iraq and, and other places. And uh, now you're seeing uh, cultures raising up against dictators and potential wars and hot spots. And I think that the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that we are very well facing times when Jesus could come back. Because the Bible says when you see these things come to pass, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. And one of the things that I would want to challenge you with today, and even the subject that we're going to talk a, a little bit about today, quite a little bit about today, really is, is a, it's a tough hurdle for some people to get through. But we're going to believe God that he's going to push us through. Uh, I was talking to one of my friends the other day, just saying, you know what, one of these days... Uh, you know, we'd meet and walk together or, or run together. One of these days, we're going to be running on golden streets. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to heaven. But I want to, right now, I want to do things God's way. And see, one of the, the hindrances, and you see this in Scripture. I could take you back into the Old Testament and show you how uh, the nation of Israel, for a while they would serve God, and then they wouldn't serve God, and then they, they, they'd do it their way. They would come back to God. We need to, in this Arise and Build series, it's, yes, it's about building a building, but it is much more about building you to be the kind of people that God intended you to be. And, and so that's why we, we hit the word straight on. We do it the way God wants it to be. And, I, you know, I sort of, I was thinking of the word gravity. How many understand gravity? How many know if I, you know, there's about a three or four foot drop here, if I jumped off. I mean, I just couldn't step down through the air. I mean, it would be my 230 pounds would accelerate me rather rapidly that four feet, right? Now, even though if I didn't believe that, would that change the fact? Now, like, for example, let's say that I I went up on some tremendously high place and there was this long drop, maybe tens of thousands of feet. Or if I jumped out of an airplane without a a parachute. Well, this is fun. You know, you see these People sort of gliding, and then they pull the ripcord and whatever. But the reality is, if I didn't do that, at the bottom, even though I'd say, well, this is cool, 
If I ignored the law of gravity, I would be a pile of guts at the end of the trip. I get, you get it? And really, I, I look at the Word of God in a sense that we sometimes ignore it. And whenever you ignore proven truths, there's tragedy at the end of it. Are you tracking with me here? And so I, I want to I just share with you, uh, I'm going to use the uh, Message Bible today. If you, if, you, if you have different versions of the Bible, I love reading in the Message Bible. Uh, at a conference, I, I bumped into Eugene Peterson. He's a, a tremendous gentleman who meticulously, and not just I think it, but actually really spent a great deal of time in, in moving it into our language. It's not just a paraphrase. It re- he really adhered to the documents. And uh, so I want us to really believe God today. We're going to do it God's way. And, and that's what this Arise and Build is all about. And we, we've been blessed. The land that uh, uh, Pastor Ryan showed you there uh, has been donated to us. We just had it appraised. It appraised between one hundred and fifty dollars and $175,000 gift. Isn't that great? Plus, uh, we're getting a great buy in the building. We're probably going to go into this project with about $300,000 equity. Uh, the cost of the building and, uh, and the financing that we have uh, put together, we're actually going to be paying less per month than we're paying to lease and pay utilities here. I think that's miraculous. I think that's the favor of God. I think that because there's the core of people at Life Church, the leadership of Pastor Ryan and the team that he's put together is really seeing uh, how God works. And we want to gather everybody on the same page, all right? And, and, and in the uh, book of Luke, uh, the sixth chapter in the 46th verse, I mean, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Or you might want to jot it down. It says this, You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into the true words and deeds. Now, here's the key. It says this. Why are you so polite with me? Now, this is Jesus talking. Always saying, yes, sir. And that's right, sir. But never doing the things I tell you. Think about that. In other words, what that is, another uh, modern phrase would be, you'd be giving them lip service. I mean, some of you have done that with your parents over the years or maybe with... uh, a leader in your organization, you say yes, yes, but the minute they turn their back, you don't do it. Now, biblically speaking, what the church needs to do, has to do, is pull people together, focus them on the Word of God, love them where they are, but at the same time, give them, here is what the Bible says. This is why I do what the Bible says. Now, one of the things that... uh, one of the real good things about growing older, and it's a process. We all grow older, right? Just look through your photo albums. You will see there is a process there, right? In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the phone with the Social Security Administration talking to them about this a big event that I'm having in April where now I will be able to go on Medicare. Hello. And I have my supplement, and I got my number. So I've been around a while. So based on being around a while and serving the Lord for about 44 years and applying the Word of God, 
the one thing that has always helped me almost from the moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ is if the Bible says it, that's the way I'm going to do it. I, I didn't always understand it. It didn't always make sense to me. But I had a radical uh, meeting with the Lord. He radically changed me. He said, okay, this is the manual. Then I took those principles uh, when I was working secular and then when I went to college and I applied them and, and the principles that are there. And I want to talk to you today about how we build for the future based on doing it God's way, which is the best way. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, is very, very tough on people who come to church, especially when they want to fight in this particular area I'm going to talk about today, and that's the area of not giving. It, well, actually, we'll talk about giving, but I'll talk about the Lord's tithe, okay? Uh, let me give you some terminology here, and then we'll speak about it for a minute. And we, we got an interesting illustration we're going to lose. If you, did you see the logs down front? If you missed it, we'll close with the logs, and, and you'll see something there that will help you to, to visually understand how important it is for all of us to be in this thing together. Now, in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God established uh, a way to support His work and also to test you and I. Now, if you really think about it, the toughest test that most of us have is regarding money. Hello? Are you, are you with me? Come on now. It's tough. We hang on to it or boom, we, you know, whatever. Like, for example, we see this uh, uh, 100,000 people, they say, yesterday in Madison because of, of the feelings of having to give more to, you know, you, well, you've seen it. I don't have to tell you about that. But you see how sensitive people are about uh, releasing more money or having to pay more for something that they were used to paying less for or whatever it is. I'm not talking the political side. I'm just talking the reaction that you get when you start dealing with finances. Somewhat, do you understand what I'm talking about here? I just want to make sure you're getting through your head. Now, can you imagine the word tithe... Has, has, is, it means tenth, but it means first tenth. And so what God says is He puts this before us and He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you everything, but the first tenth of your money is not yours, it's mine. Not that He needs it, but it actually, I believe He did this because it is such a hot button for people, such a difficult thing. Uh, and that they, they want to grasp and hang on and don't touch my money, don't touch my retirement, don't touch my benefits, don't touch my place of employment. All, I mean, are, you know, we're, this is real world stuff, right? And, and, and I don't blame you if some of you feel that way. I mean, you want to hang on, you want to do all that thing. So it's a tough area. So here, here's the thing that I've seen over the years and, 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 and able to have lived it out. Early on, I was only a couple months old in the Lord. I heard a message on this. I was sitting, I was dating my wife, who we've been married now for 43 years. I saw her give $36 to the church. That was in 1967. I had never seen anybody give that much money to church one time in my whole life. We came from the buck a week crowd, you know, tuck a buck a week away. And she'd go, boy, we gave it. So we put that dollar in there, you know. But anyhow, so I thought, she told me what it was. Now I sort of calculated it in a secular way. I was giving more than 10% to places like the Taverns and Marlboros and Salem's and, uh, uh, you know, other stuff. Hello. So, well, I'm, the way I've changed my life now, this is, I'm ahead. But I've seen over the years how people fight this. And, and, and actually, there are people that uh, attend the churches where I pastor because I've always put this before them. 
People, and I'll tell you this today. Uh, Pastor Ryan, this church, you're going to teach it. Now, they'll love you where you are. They're not going to say you can't come here. We're not going to take care of your kids. If, 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 if you need to get married or if you died, or anything. we'll do all that stuff. But at the same time, we have an obligation to bring certain things before you. And when you can get through the tough stuff, it makes the other stuff much easier. And I really believe that's why God used this, because he could drop gold in here every Sunday. He could miraculously transfer electronically enough money for us to run the church. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says, and I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible just like I believe gravity, okay? So what the tithe then is, it's the first. And it also, God says, the first redeems the rest. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood. And because he was the firstborn and he shed his blood, his blood redeems you from your sin. Biblically speaking, the tithe will redeem the rest of your money. It will. I've seen it work over the years. It'll re, it will minister uh, in a very special way to your finances. So that's what the tithe is. And, and church-wise, there's a universal understanding. And I had some brilliant teachers in, in Bible college. They didn't have an agenda. But the Bible says bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Okay. Now, what is the storehouse? It's the church that you attend. Now, a lot of people have the idea that there's this big, broad storehouse out there, and if, if, if you made $100, you had $10, you could cut off two bucks, send it to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, send another dollar to Trinity Broadcasting Network, or uh, feed the children, or you've got a, a friend that's going on a, a missions trip, so you give them some money. What you're doing there is you're not tithing, you're giving offerings, Right? Because the tithe comes into the storehouse needs to be given first. That's universally understood by uh, biblical scholars that don't really have an agenda, that aren't necessarily preaching from a pulpit somewhere. And by the way, this isn't a fundraiser. I've always said this, and I've had people take me up on it. Now, I'm not pastoring anymore. I'm, doing, I'm ministering to pastors. I'm traveling. I'm speaking around the country. But in all essence, the tithe is brought to the storehouse. If you're a... If you, if you consider this your church and you want to take this step in obedience to the Word of God, this is where it needs to go. I've ha- and I've said that. If you can't do it here, find a place that you can do it in because I'd rather have you living God's Word to the what the Word says somewhere else than coming here and not doing it. Now, hopefully you don't leave, but w- that's how strongly we believe in it. Now, if you don't do it and you come here, we'll still love you, we'll still care for you, we'll still preach to you, but it is our obligation to give you the straight scoop. Somebody say amen. That's what the Bible says. That's, that's a term. Now, on the other side, offerings are what you direct. And I talked just briefly about that. Uh, you hear a lot sometimes of, of, of seed time and harvest, you know, plant the seed. And, and, and I think some of that has been taken to the far extremes by maybe some uh, uh, television things that are sort of way out there, but I believe in giving an offerings. Now, last Sunday, I preached in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, not at my son's church, but at another church there. I've known the pastor for years. He's a great friend of mine, and they have three Sunday morning services. We started at 8 o'clock, and by about uh, 10 after 1, I jumped in my car, drove to the other side of the city uh, to my son's church, and they were he was about 20 or 30 minutes away from finishing their third service. They now have three Sunday morning services. I slipped in the back of City Church. My son was finishing uh, the message. Uh, that was their fourth anniversary as a church. 
It was their fourth birthday. They had balloons. They had birthday cake. I mean, it was just a big, exciting time. And they had 446 people in attendance. And they're, and they're seeing tons of families coming in. It's really, really taking off. And they're, they're believing they're going to build a great, great church there. Now, uh, we lived out there for about two and a half or three years before we moved back here uh, about a year and a half ago. And I won't tell you how much I invested in there, but it was significant. In fact, 90% of anything I had saved for my retirement, uh, everything's very expensive out there. And, I mean, it was like my wife and I thought we need to do this. didn't make sense in the natural. Now, it was offerings because we've always tithed. But we're talking offerings. Just bang. If they, if they were short 5000 a month, 5000 If they were short 10000 I gave them 10 This went on for months and months and months. But now, because but we sowed seed in there, and we see how the thing is taken off. You see what I mean? Now, maybe I don't have that money in my pocket or in a 401K or some retirement program, but there is growth coming out of that. People are coming to Christ through it. And ultimately, as Chuck Swindoll said, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. And the reality is, when you learn this giving lesson... Now, how, let, me, let me take it back because I've lived a long time. My son's 32. My daughter's 25. Ever since we, had, we adopted our kids, we taught them this principle of tithing. If they would get a dollar even as a gift or for the birthday or allowance, if they got a dollar, we, we had dimes around the house. We'd take 10 dimes and we'd say, Okay, Brooke, Chad, you can keep nine of the, uh, of the dimes, but the first dime goes to Jesus. Okay, that's fine. Nine to them looked a lot bigger than one, right? And so we planted that into their hearts. And as they grew and as they got jobs and as they made more money and, and all the things, it never really was a problem with them because it was a training point. Uh, now, but here's the interesting thing. What are they doing today? They're serving God. They love God with all their hearts. Uh, they're, they're, uh, my two little grandsons love Jesus with all their hearts. And, and, and Brooke's going to be having a baby now in August, and she will train that child up that way. And, and, and I know a lot of people who have been reluctant in, in certain key things in the Word of God, not only tithing, but they'll come to me and say, Pastor, my kids aren't serving God. Now, I'm not just saying it's because of the tithe, but when you do it God's way, you expect God's results, right? And so, therefore, I'm a very rich man because my kids are serving God. My kids love Jesus. My kids want to see other people come to Jesus. My kids are still preaching the Word just like their dad preached. I sat back and I listened to my son close that message out and I thought, whoa, he sounds more like me than me. And the reality is it's because you put that in. What's the most important thing? Training our family, doing it right. So then as a pastor, like Pastor Ryan or a leader in a church, it is his obligation to bring this teaching to you, to share with you. This is how it is. And, and just to go back uh, just a couple of books to the book of Malachi, and uh, I just uh, want to read you this because it's important for you to understand it. Now, this is from the, uh, this is relating again to this. The nation of Israel, see, is a type of the church today. And we see this in the church today. We see rebellion in the church. We see the church moving away from the, the biblical message because they're worried that it's going to be offensive to the people that come. Let me just tell you, there are some things in the Word of God, if you're not living them, that are offensive. Hello? Because you, you need to be challenged. People who move from 
great to greater are from this point to great and then greater and greater are people that have been challenged, people that have paid the price. You see, there, and I don't mind people who make a lot of money. I don't mind people who've been crafty enough to build businesses. I think that's fantastic. I think that, and, and then they, they do that and they hire people and, and, and I don't care what size house they live in. I don't, I don't care how expensive their car might be. I just, I'm glad when people are blessed at whatever level, you see what I'm saying? But you will find that the importance of, of being consistent. The nation of Israel was so inconsistent. They would serve God, then they wouldn't serve God. They would serve God, then they wouldn't serve God. And, and they were just, they lived a yo-yo existence. And I've lived long enough now and been in the church long enough now to see many people lead yo-yo existence in, in their Christian life. They'll start off, they'll do it for a while, then they quit. Uh, they'll read the Bible for a while. They quit reading the Bible. They'll pray for a while. They quit reading the Bible. They'll start as stewards for a little while. Then they'll quit. What God is looking for is consistency. Now, what we have going for us that they didn't have going for them in the Old Testament, we have a personal relationship with God. But this particular verse in Malachi, in these verses, in, in the uh, Message Bible says this, I am God. He says, yes, I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed... You, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. Here's the deal. See, God loves you so much. Get it? I mean, if he, if he looked at everything that we don't do and punished us for it, we'd be destroyed. But he loves us so much, he hasn't destroyed us. He's a God of second and third and fourth ch- chances. So he's sharing with him. I haven't changed. The descendants of Jacob have, haven't been destroyed because if I, he did that once. If you go back, when, when he got so fed up with mankind, that's when he had uh, Noah build that big boat, right? They were destroyed. They actually found it at Mount Ararat. That's what I love about the Bible. Oh, that never happened. They're, you know, Now they find it. <laughs> Hello. Anyhow, uh, so he destroyed all of mankind except for Noah and his family. And then after, when, when the ark landed, God said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to do it again. Thank God, or we would be there. Would be tsunamis coming at us. Lake Michigan would be would be boiling up, and the and the water would be washing over a lot of us today. So, but he goes on and says this: <clears throat> You haven't done a thing I've told you. Didn't I read to you before from Luke, where it says in Luke it says, "How come you say yes, sir, yes, sir, but then don't do the things I tell you to do?" If you really want to be a sold-out Christian, not just sitting on the sidelines, not hoping somehow you make it into heaven. You want to do the things that God tells you to do. It says, train up a child the way he should go. The Bible says you should have integrity. The Bible says you should work hard. The Bi- I mean, all of these things. The Bible says you should honor your parents. The Bible says that wives should submit to their husbands. Oh, don't you love it, guys? Praise God. Women just submit to us. Oh, yes. But then the Bible says in the same portion, men love your wife just like... Christ loved the church. Now, Christ gave his life up for the church. Man, I, that's, that's important. Any woman that wouldn't serve and love a man who's willing to give his life for her, I think the, the, there's it, all of these things come together. It's like gears mesh, meshing. So then he goes on and says, you ask, but how do we return? Okay, now, the nation of Israel messed up. Backslid, did crazy things, followed false gods, small g, did all this stuff. How do you return? It is interesting that the prophet Malachi, inspired by God, didn't say, you know, go kill six more goats 
and, and uh, you know, go, don't eat for 16 years, you know, go on a fast, you know. Are you there? He, he came to that mountain called the money thing. Because he knows how close and dear it is to our heart. We see, again, going back to what we're seeing going on in society today. It's all about money. It's all about who has the money. It's all about who wants to take our money. Come on now. Now, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm not on the inside of the unions or the political side. I, I, I do lean to a certain side of the aisle, but in reality, well, yeah, most of you know that, right? But anyhow, the reality is this. It, it creates mountains. It, it, it's, it's a big thing. So, you know, God could have said a lot of other things. He said, uh, now, you ask, but how do we return? Begin by being honest. I think sometimes we just need to sit down and take an inventory of our lives and be honest about what we're doing. Most people are educated far beyond their level of performance. Did you get that? Most people know what they do, but it's the doing that's the problem. So we want to re-educate. We want to re-inform you. So if it's God's heart to bring the nation of Israel back, he's got a key here. How do you come back? He said, how do you come back? How, but how do we return? Being honest. Do honest people rob God? But you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and the offering. Oh, now, that's how. And now you're under a curse. There's just such a quietness in here. I just feel, you know, you just wait. Oh, man, I, I got up an hour early to come and just have someone tell me that I'm under a curse. See, here's the thing. Now, it isn't just about that, but I think when you don't do it God's way, and it isn't like, you know, someone sitting there, you know, putting pins in a little doll, you know, with your name on it, but the reality is, I believe when you don't do what God tells you to do, there are some things that happen. You see, when I raised my kids, they weren't always perfect. Some of you knew them. But always the principles were there. And whenever they would stray a little bit, I can remember my kids coming home and say, oh, Dad. And see, something stopped them or something brought them back. And it was because we taught them how to do it God's way. And I believe that's what needs to come into the church today. And that why the financial thing is such a big deal is people fight it. People don't want to do it. I don't know if I said this. I said it in the first service, but bears repeating. Let's say this afternoon that I got in my car and drove to Madison. Are you there? And let's say, for example, if they got 100,000 people there, 80,000 or whatever, wherever they're from, and I uh, brought my little, this little glass pulpit with, and, oh, Pastor Jacobson's here. Come up and give us a word. So I would bring my little glass pulpit up here, and I would say, now, guess what? I think you ought to do. Everybody ought to do this. What should we do? You should give God the first 10%. Can you imagine the stones? And I mean, I would, you know, I would hear, shame, shame, shame. Are you there? Come on now. Smile a little bit. Understand what I'm talking about. The very thing that's so irritating because they're trying to take our money, money, money. And then the church comes and says, but see, here's what God says. If you do it my way, guess what? Even if you have to give up 5% or 6% or 3% here or there, I will bless you. I will pour a blessing out on you that there's not room to receive it. It's so important to get that. And I think that's why, this, I mean, it's sort of like new revelation to me. I've always preached it. But 
when I was, when I was in the first service, as Julie was leading us in worship, it was like God just came and, and really was just bathing me with the fact that the reality is that we have this big mountain in front of us called giving and tithing and building and all that stuff. And we're so programmed to, to hang on so tightly. And there's an anger that comes up when anybody is trying to get in our pocketbook. So God says, if you can get the victory over that one. Now, I'm not one of these to preach. If you start tithing, all of a sudden, you're going to you know, win the lottery or you're going to get huge increases at work. But I want to tell you this. I had a young man who was in the church in Salt Lake take me to the airport early on Wednesday morning. His name is Brian Utes. He's a great young man. He's a school teacher and he doesn't make a lot of money, but he's very diligent. He's at church all the time. He gives God the first tenth right off the top and he has a Subaru. And a, and a few months back, uh, he, the transmission started giving him a little problem. And he goes into the, uh, to the Subaru garage and they say, your transmission's gone. It's going to cost you 4000 bucks." And he goes, God, you know, what's up here? And he was just praying and, well, I got to do it. And he called his parents up in, in Boise and they were going to help him with, with some of the bill. And about the time he finished praying, the phone rings and it's the Subaru garage. Now, that's out of warranty. And the Subaru garage says, you know what we found, uh, Mr. Utes? He said, the last time you had your oil changed, uh, we see where it happened when they were tightening something down. They actually nicked your transmission fluid line, and we found it. Who changed the oil? So he got out his thing, found out who changed it. Subaru Garage called that. The place where he had the oil changed, their insurance stepped up and paid the full $4,000. Brian said to me, he said, you know, Pastor Arnie said, I believe that that's God's way of protecting me. Yeah, $4,000 would, would be the tithe of how much? $40,000. And you see, God, will, God comes 